0: I'm confident we can do that 100% because everything you invest with us, you're going to get a return at least of 5x of what we provide to you. I'm guaranteeing that. I have proof to back it up, I have results to back it up, but that's only one piece of it, right? If that was it, it would be enough. But here's the bigger thing:
1: this is digital marketing. Hey, it's Mark Grass here and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Marketer podcast. I'm Mark DeGrasse, president of Digital Marketer. And today I have an awesome guest, Alex Shlinsky. He is the owner of Prospecting On Demand Mastermind and has sold over $15 million in the last 10 years.
0: Welcome, Alex. Hey, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. What's up, Digital Marketer community? Appreciate all of you. Before we get in, just like so much appreciation to this amazing community and company. I've learned so much from digitalmarketer.com. It's kind of how I like started my business, learning from this amazing uh, community and website. It really helped me build everything that POD is today, prospecting on demand. So super grateful for it. Oh, we love hearing
1: that. And I think it's you know kind of a testament to we've been around forever. I think it's been 12 years since Ryan and, and Richard founded the company. And then you know the frameworks that we use haven't actually changed that much which is i think the cool part but we work with tons of agencies tons of marketers and so i thought you coming on to talk about addressing some of the big sales objections that people have while they're trying to sell individual services ongoing services or with our certified partner community they sell a lot of the the external cmo the fractional cmo role so i figured if we could just go through a few of those uh, that would be super cool and helpful for everybody
0: yeah. I'd love to do that. I love objection handling. I think right before we started our recording, I was telling you, usually when I do live objection handling, I tell anyone that if you bring me an objection that I can't handle, I'll pay you a hundred dollars in PayPal. And I've never paid anyone, not because I'm stingy, but because they don't provide me with an objection that I can't handle. Although maybe I am stingy. I don't, I don't know. But if you're <laughs> watching this recording and you have an objection that Mark didn't bring up that you need some support on, just follow me on Facebook, facebook.com Schlinsky. Good luck spelling that. S-C-H-L-I-N-S-K-Y, and if you want to message me any objections, I'll keep the offer up for the community, too. Yeah, I love that.
1: Well, if this goes well, then we'll turn it into an article and video and all the other love fun it. stuff. So just to, you know, to give us a little basis for the the selling, for me, I, I was an agency owner for about six years, sold brand redevelopment, website development, and then fractional CMO services. I think I went through about 300 clients during that time. And heard a lot of objections. So <laughs> I'm going to be giving you just, you know, a handful of the the big ones that I think everybody's heard,
0: you know, while trying to sell. And and my background in, in selling, particularly my agency, I ran for about 10 years. It was a personal injury attorney agency. That was my only niche. I didn't work with any other types of attorneys. I originally started Mark selling constant contact and social media posting. That was where I began. And actually I learned a lot about social media posting and everything from digital marketer, which helped a ton. And then I slowly transitioned probably four or five years later to advertising due to strictly a retention play. Our clients weren't staying because we weren't providing enough of a valued service, an uh, irresistible solution, if you may. Uh, so we started offering Google advertising, which we still do today, which is pretty amazing. I had a $5,000 a month rate, so a bit of high, higher ticket than what I used to sell, which was $1,000. Now I sell a high ticket coaching program as well. So I have a lot of experience in coaching sales for agency owners, coaches, consultants. Most of my clients are agency owners. So I've dealt with all these objections and handle it pretty well. My framework is the one called Close framework. That's the very unique methodology that I use. And if I may, I'll just give you guys the front end framing that I think will help you a ton in understanding how I implement this one call close framework. I think a lot of people in this space, Mark, still use the two call framework where they'll do like an intro call anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes. That's like a qualifying conversation. And then they will set up a Zoom meeting or a secondary meeting where they'll then offer a sales pitch. My framework is just combining those things using the four W's, which are really easy to remember. Where are you now? Where do you wanna go? What's the obstacle holding you back? And then what's the urgency? Breaking each one of those down simply, just a reminder, these are all frames, not script. It's not like you would get on a call, Mark, and be like, okay, Mark, where are you now? Okay, and where do you wanna go? That that doesn't work, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's obviously very related to the business. Let's say you're working with roofers and Mark's a roofer. Hey, Mark, you know how many roofs are you getting per month on average, right? Hey, Mark, how many roofs would you like to be getting on average per month? Hey, Mark, are you utilizing marketing currently? There's a differencing of questions that you're going to ask from where you want to be or where you are currently to where you want to be. And then obviously the obstacle, the gap between where they are now and where they want to be. And then the urgency. If you don't do the urgency, ultimately what we find, Mark, is a lot of the objections will be, let me think about it. Let's circle back to it next quarter. Maybe we'll think about it next year. And then they get on a call two weeks later with one of your competitors and they purchase from them. The answer is because they have urgency and you need to increase that urgency, not just urgency on do it now, because I told you, but urgency because there's a purpose behind why they want to go where they want to go. That's deeper than just money, go a little bit deeper, use that r- roofer example, again, if, if they're a roofer, That wants to get more jobs on average, is it because they don't want to be the ones having to go out for the jobs all the time, they want to have enough money to hire another roofer, that might be a real deep why and a very deep urgency to spend more time with their friends or their family or themselves in order to build their business. So those are the four W's and frameworks of the one call close, just as kind of a a front end baseline to what I coach in sales in general. Awesome. Love it,
1: well, I love the idea of the one call because I think that's you know if, if you have done sales before and somebody's trying to sell you and they give you that out of like, oh well, I could send you some info and you can make a decision later, I'm like, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> I'm off the hook, thank yeah. you, yeah, exactly, Just to that point, mark that I'll share a good insight. a lot of people feel like they don't have the a, a willingness to say no. a lot of people are are good human beings genuinely, I think uh, maybe the world we live in likes to promote the very few of us that aren't really great, but I feel like the majority of people, thankfully, are are good, genuinely good people. Genuinely good people sometimes don't have the audacity, Mark, on a sales call to say no because they really like Mark or they really like Alex or they really like person X, Y, or Z. One of the frames that I recommend using at the end of a call is the yes or no frame. And right after you finish your qualification, just frame the recap, like I'll make one up. So Mark, you're telling me you're at 10 jobs a month. You want to get to 20 jobs a month. Biggest obstacle is most of your business is word of mouth right now. And ultimately the reason you want to get to 20 is if you double the business, you can hire more talent so you can free up your time and be able to actually spend more time with friends and family instead of doing roofing itself. Did I get that right? Beautiful. Awesome. Okay. Hey, I'm really confident I can help you. I need about 15 more minutes to show you what we can do. Are you okay with that? Yes. Okay, awesome. Well, let me ask you this, okay? If I finish this little presentation I have for you, I want you to say one of two things. I want you to say, yes, I love this if you really want this. And that's ultimately my goal. Obviously, I'd love for you to say that. But I also want you to know it's totally fine to also say no. If you say no, and you don't think this is right for you for any reason, just know that I 100% give you that permission. And it might sound weird to say that permission. But some people are always afraid to say no, they'd, they'd rather think about it or, or push the decision. It's totally okay to say no. Is that fair? That framework really helps people, Mark. Usually, usually I coach that as an optional frame because when people do it, it doesn't sound supernatural. They come off really strange. But if you feel like you listening, listener right now can handle that type of frame, do it. And, and don't go back and listen to me five times and write down exactly what I said. Just understand the frame of what you're trying to get across. And I think that's such an important uh, sales coaching. And that's going to be the same for any objection that Mark brings to me. It's it's not that you should be copying what I'm saying word by word. If Mark and I did this podcast 10 times, and he gave me the same objections, I would handle them always just a little bit differently, because it's whatever is authentic, natural, and coming out with conviction versus am I reading this script appropriately that, that never ever works in sales.
1: Makes sense. I love the framework and I love the, the prefacing the it's okay to say no. I think that's, that's always a big hesitation. And, and for people who haven't done a ton of sales before, it's just like completely deflating, (laughs) you know, getting the no or, or doing the follow-up where you send out, Oh, I did 10 meetings and I followed up on all 10 and everybody said, no, you know, that's pretty common with, with new people. So I think for this, you know, what we'll do just for this framework is we'll say that I'm just going to say we have these example companies that we use as a digital marketer. One of them is called Hazel and Hems. It's an e-commerce business. does about a million dollars a year, primarily offline, but they're trying to get online. And right now they're vetting or we're vetting marketing companies to help us expand online with our 600 SKUs. So that's the the preface of the example. My wife actually did have a uh, baby apparel company years back and we built Very it cool. and sold it. So I have some some experience with that. We weren't at a million bucks. I would have told her not to sell if we were a million dollars. But you know, that's the premise. All right. So it's, should we start with the an initial, I'll tell you what I need and you could sell me on it. So
0: Good.
1: We have a Shopify store. Pretty happy with the store. We're okay with rebranding. We've never done paid advertising on on Facebook or Google or any of those. We do do social media posts sporadically when we feel like it. We have an email list of past customers of about 15,000 people. We currently don't do newsletters, though. We don't want to bug our customers. So we don't actually email them ever uh, because that's smart. Yeah, social media following is probably in the the 5,000 range primarily on facebook and instagram and we're open to whatever we have our offline strategy but we're kind of tired of having to maintain the store and eventually want to
0: transition to 100 online awesome so what i'm going to do before i role play this i just want to share kind of my thought process and how my brain works and this might help the uh, audience listening so when mark is sharing kind of all this you know insight expressing all these things about his business he's actually fulfilling answers for the four Ws of where are you now? Where do you wanna go? What's the obstacle holding you back? And then ultimately, what's the urgency? I don't think I heard any urgency in that specific format. And some of the things that I heard were in terms of where are you now, meaning how many SKUs they have, how much money they're making, they're not running advertising, they have an email list, all of those things that were in the where are you now bucket, you wanna put those aside. Some people struggle, by the way, Mark, when they're listening to someone spiel, like, oh, how do I store all this information? There's two different things you can do. One, you can become really excellent at like listening, like very clearly listening and writing important information down. Or you can have an executive assistant on the call with you sharing the info. Usually that's pretty hard for people on the newer side to have the EA. But for big, big companies that are going to get the opportunity to work with a company that has 600 SKUs, probably good to have someone on on staff for that ready to go. But in that format, just kind of listening to what Mark's talking about. There was one big piece there that he said that would be really relevant to me as the provider, as the potential partner, as the salesperson, which was, we're not running advertising yet. All the other stuff is going to be kind of deflection. Like, oh, we post every once in a while and we have an email list, but we don't use it. This is where a lot of marketers fail. They're like, well, I could solve all those problems. And now they expect like me, right, to sell Mark on, well, we're going to send emails for you every single day. And we're going to be able to post for you more efficiently. And we're going to make a Facebook group for you. And we're going to have you set up on a CRM and we're going to run ads for you and now we're going to do everything. The only thing that really matters is framing it back this way. In three, two, one. Hey, Mark, I really appreciate that insight. There was definitely a lot there. I want to take away the biggest thing that I heard, making sure we're on the same page, which is you are not currently nor have you ever run advertising for this e-commerce company. You've only done this based on word of mouth and your local community. Is that correct? I just want to confirm that. Perfect. Okay. That is a lot to take in. But ultimately, I'm really confident that we can support you on actually getting ads up. If you are willing, are you open to the idea of running advertising in order to generate more opportunities for this business?
1: We are. I'm kind of hesitant because I heard about the, the big Facebook changes. And I'm kind of worried about, you know, how effective it's going to be. Also, we've never spent anything on advertising before. So, you know, I okay. don't even know how much it costs.
0: Perfect. Okay. So let's circle back now, and and I'm going to end the role play so we can come back to the frame. I want to teach you guys, before we dive into anything else that Mark is talking about, the two frames that I cover at the beginning of every call, because this is really important than just jumping into the meeting, because this would never be how a meeting would start, because Mark is setting me up with a position of, here's a brain dump of information, handle it. It's really important to understand how the framing of the start of the call goes, which is the time and result frame, and then the why are you on this call frame. These two frames are really important and necessary for every meeting that you do. I'll explain why, and I'm just going to frame them for you in three, two, one. Hey, Mark, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for the call and the opportunity to speak to you about your e commerce company. I'd love to learn more about it. Ultimately, on this call, we'll chat probably like 30, 45 minutes. Just want to understand exactly what you're doing in your business, what's missing, what you're trying to accomplish, and see what I can provide that will be insightful for you today and see if there's a chance for us to work together moving forward. Does that sound good to you? Yes. Okay, great. Now, once that frame is done, now you have framed ultimately how long the call is going to be and that there's a potential offer. So you avoid two of the most ridiculous objections possible one would be hey how much longer is this call because i only got 10 minutes left that is very frustrating and that's pretty much a killer to most people with momentum especially if you're already in the pitch and now you have to accelerate it newsflash don't accelerate it just book another meeting because it's never going to work for you if you're accelerating it and then number two the oh there's an offer on this call i didn't expect that which is crazy but it does happen It, it really does happen Then the next frame is the second most important frame in all of sales. The most important, just so you know, so I'm not burying the lead, is the end of the call where you tell them to make the investment, not ask, which we can do some role playing on that a little bit later. But specifically, this second most important frame is the time frame. And here's the reason why. If we're talking about the one call close, I want to frame why this is such an important thing. The one call close is so important because time is our most valuable asset. I'm going to say something that's going to shock probably most of the listeners here. You may be hearing my voice that I'm, I'm not necessarily an old guy. I'm, I'm 30 years old, but I did have open heart surgery when I was 29 years old. Zero out of 10 stars. I don't recommend it. It's definitely not fun, but it's good to be alive. And I'm grateful to be on this podcast with you all right now. But the point of me sharing this is Anyone that's ever had any sort of serious health health care or has really strong perspective of what life is all about, money is not really the thing that we want. It's time that we want. Money provides us more opportunities to utilize our time more effectively, whether it's delegation or hiring or experiences or food or basic needs, et cetera. But ultimately, all of us want more time. And the idea of the one-call close is framing that time as the most important asset. Because when Mark in this role play scenario or your prospect in this scenario comes on the call, their mindset always is their credit card is the most valuable asset. But it's not. The most valuable asset is the thing they are already providing to you for nothing, which is their time. It's time that they're not spending with their friends, with their family, with themselves, with their clients. It's with you for free. For free. So that's why this second frame is so important and why the one called close means so much and why it'll make a difference for you. So if you clarify this frame in three, two, one, hey Mark, like I said, I really appreciate your time. It's the most valuable asset we have, and I want to make sure I deliver. It's time you're spending with me, not with your clients, not catching up on Game of Thrones, not working in your business, not spending time with your family. You're here with me today. And I want to make sure I deliver for you. Why are you giving me this time so I know what you want? Now, that frame ultimately allows me to get the answer that I need from Mark previous to this purpose of him framing like the three W's or four W's of qualification, because when he shares whatever this answer is, that will give me so much more ammunition at the end. So, Mark, you're more than welcome to answer this question in the role play, but I need to make sure I shared those two elements of why these frames matter so much versus jump into the middle of the call. Here's my whole spiel of my business. Now do your thing. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah.
1: And that framing prevents so many issues <laughs> that you probably couldn't predict or you probably could predict. That's why he came up with the with the script. But no, I, lo- I love the framing of it. And it, it really does put the ball in their court like, hey,
0: you wanted to talk to me, <laughs> you know, we'll versus some people, Mark, respond and they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I saw your ad and I was thinking about it. You push those people you're like you're thinking about it. Are you here because you want to grow more? And the reason why I'm using this now to come back to the original point was Mark had said, well, I'm nervous about running ads. I don't know if it's going to work for me, et cetera. Imagine if we had started this meeting and actually did the call. And at the beginning of the call, Mark said, I saw your ad about helping e-com stores get 5X return on their ad spend. I've never run ads before. I'm really nervous about it. Now it would have so much more leverage than we would in just a random portion of the call, right? So I, I can answer that piece For you now, which is related to this, you know, I'm nervous portion, which in three, two, one, first and foremost, I I appreciate and commend you for your transparency, right? Like never running ads before getting on a call with someone that's more than likely going to offer you an ad solution is commendable, right? I mean, Ultimately, you see a problem in the business and you want to solve it. Before I touch on, you know, fears related to Facebook ads working or fear about spending money on ads, let's just remind you why you came on this call in the first place. You came on this call and gave me your time because you want to grow this company and you do not want to rely solely on referrals any longer. Is that correct, Mark? Perfect. So with that being said, right, we already know that we have fear related to how much it's going to cost, what the investment going to be, will it work or not? Let me make this point easy and simple to you. I have all of those answers. Before we get to those answers, I do want to make sure that I have clarity of where you want to go. Because if I don't have clarity on where you want to go, any answer I provide you is irrelevant. Because if you say, I want to make $5 million in sales tomorrow, no matter what magic marketing pixie dust I spread on Facebook or Google, that is not happening. If you say, I want to make $5,000 tomorrow, it's more than likely possible, or we may not be the right fit because I'm looking for someone in the middle. Who knows? So let me clarify for you. And please clarify for me, what exactly are you hoping for in this business? What do you want to accomplish? And what would be considered a win in terms of sales for this e-com company?
1: Well, so like I said, the majority of our business is offline, about 95%. So only 5% is coming from our store. I really want to increase that number to like 10 to 15 within the next two or three months. And by you know, two, three years down the line, I
0: want the majority of our revenue to come from e and not offline. Cool. Okay, so we're going to step out of the role play again and talk about what the thought process is on my response. A lot of people are ready to just answer right away, Mark, right? What I like to consider and what I like to do is remind people the why, Don't forget why. It's such an important question. Why makes a massive difference to everything? He just shared an urgency, which is what we were looking for. It's one of the four W's. The urgency was, if you remember, if you listen back, right, his urgency was in two to three months, he wants to get his... Ecom store to go from 5% to, I believe he said about 10 to 15%. If I recall correctly, you're allowed to go backwards in time. I can't, but you can Mr. Listener or Mrs. Listener. But anyways, and then he mentioned that two to three years down the line, he wants the majority of sales to be there. Now people are like, we can do that. Let's do it. Let's, let me sell you slow down for a second. The urgency is not enough just to get the number or the timeline. The why is also an important piece of urgency. Now, I'm gonna share a quick piece of sales psychology that will help you. Most people on this call have probably heard of Sigmund Freud. Mark, you've heard of Sigmund Freud, yeah? Okay, but most people probably have not heard of Eric Byrne. He's also a pretty famous psychoanalyst, from Canada. He didn't do any weird stuff like about loving your mom or anything, which is why he's not as famous as Sigmund Freud is. But he did come up with this really valuable insight called transactional analysis. And any of you can search, look, look this up or search it. If anyone listening had ever done anything related to psychology, specifically social psychology, you probably have heard of this before. But the idea posits that there's three ego states you speak to for every single person that you're communicating with. And that includes sales You know, communication, you know, spousal communication, friendship communication, husband, uh, sorry, uh, father, son, father, daughter communication, every type of communication includes these three ego states, which is the parent, the adult and the child. It's called the PAC model. And I use this in all of my marketing and all of my coaching and sales. So you can get the most out of this and why I'm so interested in sales psychology and this is how it's relevant to mark here in a second the parent is naturally skeptical how do you overcome skepticism right which mark already shared in this in this role play that he's skeptical of it working or not We're going to showcase proof, right? We would have that for him. The adult is logical, or at least you hope they're logical. Maybe in today's day and age, it doesn't seem that way, but hopefully most adults are logical. They want one plus one to equal two, not some ethereal, weird, like psychedelic experience that one plus one equals three. They want the puzzle to fit, right? That's the idea. And then the last piece, and this is related to urgency, is the child. The child doesn't think about logistics. They don't think about how or the when or the what. They just want that childlike dream. So when people are answering urgency, okay, you're thinking most of the time just timeline. So he's saying in two to three months, I want 15% on the e-com store. In two to three years, I want more majority on the e-com store. The why is where you get the childlike dream, but you have to dig for it. And the more that you understand your avatar, the better you can provide for them. We did an example earlier with the roofer of like probably a lot of roofers still do the roofing job themselves. So the why their childlike goal is that they're the king of the castle, not the ones building the castle. Same important idea, but if they don't know how to express that because they're only thinking about it, you have to unlock that childlike dream. That's why sales psychology is so important. So coming back to all of this, right? When Mark is talking about wanting two to three years, watch now how I respond to him. And Mark, let's see how you respond to it and take it as best you can in three, two, one. So Mark, what I'm hearing from you is ultimately right now, The large majority, 95% is in-house. It's not on the e-com store, but you want more to take over, probably 10 to 15% in the next three months. Is that correct? Just want to confirm. Correct. Perfect. Okay. We'll talk about the two to three year timeline. Hopefully I'll have that opportunity to work with you moving forward. I just want to focus on the two to three month timeline because that's where we stand right now and it feels like very tangible. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that'd be great. Perfect. Okay, so we have a two to three month timeline to get to 10 to 15%. Basically doubling or tripling what the current business model is doing. I love that. Can I ask you, do you have a purpose or reason behind wanting to make this econ store more successful?
1: So my wife and I are older, and we want to retire. And I think that when we go to retire, I'd like to sell the business for something significant, probably in the 5 to $10 million range so we could retire. Got it. I think the only Got way it. it's going to happen is if we sell it as an e commerce versus a brick and mortar.
0: Got it. Okay. Let's pull out. Mark just shared such valuable insight on the childlike dream of retiring and cashing out with a huge exit. He also shared with us insanely valuable insight that will allow us to hold him accountable to cognitive dissonance he's having. Earlier in this call, Mark had mentioned that he's nervous about how much it's going to cost. And now he just said he wants to have a $5 million exit. Those things are a very strong cognitive dissonance. No matter what number I share with Mark, whether my product is $5,000 a month or $50,000 a month, it's impossible for him to say no. Now, I know that's a very strong statement of course he can say no but point being like there's a very strong cognitive dissonance of saying i want to have an exit of five million in two to three or two to five or five to ten years but i'm not willing today to invest five or 10k that wouldn't make any sense and you have to hold their feet to the fire holding them accountable and this is why the why is such an important thing obviously mark is on this call with me role-playing and he, he's trying to tee me up appropriately sometimes their answer would be like you know, because <laughs> I swear that happens. I it does I'm sure people on the call hear that if they say, you know, because just use Mark's insight as yours. Well, sometimes I've heard Mark that like e stores, especially when they do brick and mortar, they want to go more online because that's kind of the newer thing. And they think they could potentially sell that as an exit for a few million dollars. Is that something you're interested in? Now you're playing the part for them. You're learning from your other avatar, because here's the thing that I'm trying to teach you on this podcast, right? In this role play, Mark wouldn't be the only or first or last or only call that I would ever have. Mark is an avatar of this type of call that I would have, an e-com store owner looking to take their brick and mortar business online. And now I can help them. Some people will have all the answers like Mark, but Chelsea, who I speak to next week, who runs a sports e-com store, has no answers. Why does she want to grow? Because why does she not have success in her business? I don't know how much money does she want to make. She has no idea. But now, because you know so much insight from your avatar, you can use that as plug and play templates. Whether it's do you want to sell the company, or is it because your brick and mortar store is not working, or is it because you don't have efficient, you know, marketing, or you have a huge email list that you don't want to bother? You know the audience based off the conversations you've had prior, and this is why it's so important now. To his answer, what Mark had said related to wanting to get to a place where you can exit, this is how I would handle that in three, two, one. So Mark, I have a good amount of insight from you right now. I just want to recap what I'm hearing from you to make sure that I can support you best and then handle those concerns that you had related to how much is going to cost, fear of it working, totally understand that, and I want to make sure I support you. So right now, majority of your business, 95% is brick and mortar. You want to take a piece of that in the next two to three years and make the majority of it on ecom. e-com. But in the short term, the next two to three months, you want to see around 15% or so of your sales on e right now. Did I get all that correct? Correct. Perfect. Side note, you, you will hear me confirm multiple times on this call. Confirming is such an important thing. What happens if you missed important details or they forgot important details? It happens a lot. So you don't want them coming in at the 11th hour and just reminding you of some crazy thing. Oh, by the way, we have a lien on our house. And I totally forgot to mention that I owe $300 million to the IRS. And yeah, I have zero money to pay you ever. Like, what the... That'd be it happens a lot. So you <laughs> want to make sure you're you're constantly confirming and reaffirming what they had said. So back to the role play. Basically, we were just confirming it. And now we'll go back to what your concern was. Okay, so I'm really confident, Mark, that I can help you get to that 15% revenue mark. I need to know the data a little bit more clearly to build towards that number. But I'm confident based on what you're telling me, we can do that. Do you mind if I'm blunt and transparent about something right off the rip mark? Is it okay? No, please. Cool. You told me that you're a little bit concerned about the investment and you're fearful that it won't work necessarily on Facebook because you've never done it before and you never spent money. And you also told me that you want to have a $5 million exit potentially in the next three to five years. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Correct. There's a pretty strong cognitive dissonance there, Mark, right? No matter what number I throw it to you, whatever it is, whatever the investment is, if you're looking for a $5 million exit, it is a hundred percent worth it. You can't have both. You can't say, I want to invest $300 a month on my ads and expect that you're going to have a $5 million exit. And I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone as blunt and transparent as myself to be willing to say that, but that's the reality. And that's not for me to make more money from you. It's what's going to take to get the result, right? Are you actually willing to invest into this strategy to get to the 15% on the e-com store and then ultimately take over the majority from the brick and mortar understanding it will require a financial investment to do so. Are you willing to do that? I believe so. Awesome. That's all I need to make sure. In terms of fear of it not working, then you can start going into social proof and explaining examples. The way I like doing social proof is just bring up an avatar similar to that person. Like I just want to tell you about Tony. Tony worked with this brick and mortar store. He had this result. He was stuck here. This obstacle was this. He was similar to you because of this. Does this kind of remind you of you? Yes. Here's what happened after three months. He had this result, this result, this result. Do you want to be like Tony? I want to be like Tony. And then I love this line. I use it a lot and it really helps. You know what I think, Mark? I think you're more like Tony than you think. And I think you can even get better results than him with working with us. In fact, I'm confident when I have a call with Crystal in three months, person just like you, I'm going to be talking about Mark, not Tony. Do you want to be on that testimonial sheet? Love it. Awesome. I love using that frame. The impact of like, especially when you're on zoom, because you guys can't see us right now. But when you're on zoom, and you see the person's eye, when you're like, they're like, Yes, I really want to be like that testimonial. Yes. It really engages them so much to the point of a shortcut in their brain to say, yes, I want to work with you 100%. So those are some of the angles that I would consider there in terms of did I cover everything in terms of the process you're bringing up. So the fear of it not working, you got the social proof, and then what's the investment? Okay, so let's talk about the investment and how it's framed. The way that the investment needs to be framed is right after you have social proof, you talk about ROI in two or three different ways. Most people screw up the ROI. The only thing they do with ROI, which is obviously return on investment, would be a financial return on investment. But what has been the whole crux, Mark, of us podcasting, right? Time is our most viable asset. Look, no one's making a decision. Very few people are making a decision because you're going to save them more time. A lot of people really care mostly about the money. I I get that. I respect that. But it doesn't mean that the time-saving isn't important. Not just the time-saving by you doing the work, but the time-saving of their headaches, of their anxieties, of frustration, of not dealing with the same mistakes. When I work with an agency, Mark, I have the opportunity to say, I've worked with over 1,000 agencies. My shared experience, lessons, and failures allow you to shortcut 10 years in six months. Do you want that? Now, that's... more impactful than a lot of times saying, we're going to make you 5x return on your investment. We're going to make you 50 grand. Because when you say, I'm going to save you 10 years in six months, it's like, wow, it's pretty crazy. If you're working with a company that's multiple people and not just one person, which is variable, obviously, based on the audience here. Another piece that's really valuable on ROI is not just the time you're saving them, the time you're saving their team, the more efficient they will become and the better they can do their job. That excites people a lot. It is a really valuable thing. So just make sure you're not just simplifying your ROI to a monetary situation, right? I'll give you, I'll try to give you an example on the e-com side in three, two, one. So, Mark, before we dive into the investment side of working with us, you were talking about in three months basically getting to 15% of your revenues on the store. I'm confident we can do that 100% because everything you invest with us, you're going to get a return at least of 5x of what we provide to you. I'm guaranteeing that. I have proof to back it up. I have results to back it up. But that's only one piece of it, right? If that was it, it would be enough. But here's the bigger thing. Not only are you going to get to 15%, we're also going to save you years of time so you can get to your exit sooner because we already know what it takes to run a successful e-com store like I showed you with Tony and Michelle and blah, blah, blah. All of those people we've done it with, we've worked with more than 300 separate e-com stores, many of them coming from brick and mortar into the e-com space and have been successful just like you will be. Because if you don't make this investment, it's going to take much longer to get to the position of both exiting and also getting anywhere near 20-30% of your revenue online. We already know all the material. We already know how to get the SKUs. We already know how to get your business up to the level it needs to be to sell more consistently. And we're going to do that for you so you can save all of this time and better yet, all of your team's time on trying to figure it out. You have a path, clear path ahead with milestones to get to your goals, both 15% in the next three months and majority exit over two to, two to five years, which will obviously, obviously be variable as we work together over the next six to 12 months. Does that excite you? that sounds awesome. Cool. Now, those ROI framings are really good. But it's also really important to frame the ROI of the cost of not taking action. And if you don't do this, a lot of people fail in sales to do this, but only do this if you feel like you are natural at it. Some people do this and just really butcher it. It sounds terrible. You don't sound confident. You're just not coming off the way you want to. It's pretty easy to frame the cost of not taking action by doing something like this. Mark, I want to make sure that you know this is a no-brainer. I just shared with you, obviously, the ROI of your time and finances that excite you. Yes, cool, awesome. I just want to talk about the cost of inaction, right? You came on here and told me that there was fear related to this investment. And I commended you for still providing me with the opportunity to speak to you and getting on this call because ultimately you have this goal of a huge exit so you can retire, which I respect a lot. Ultimately, the cost of not taking action is significantly greater than the investment and risk of making this investment. Besides for the fact that I've mitigated your risk with proof and guarantees, also on top of that, the simplest thing to understand is you have a very specific goal of exit. If you do not make this investment, you are guaranteed that the exit will be elongated. Because if you don't work with me, you'll eventually work with someone else, and probably will not be as good. Whether or not you work with them next week, Next month or next year, whatever timeline you choose, it will push you longer. I can't sit here and say I'm the only company in the world that can get you to $5 million exit. I think that would be probably a bit boastful and a bit unreasonable, but I am the one in front of you now. And I'm also the one that has proven to you exactly what you need, because I know you can get where you want to go working with us, period. Here's a simple framework to consider. If you make this investment today, you have a guaranteed result that you will hit no matter what. The timeline, obviously, is ideally in three months, but it could be sooner, could be a little bit later potentially, but we guarantee that. If you do not work with us, you only guarantee one of two things. One, you stay in the exact same spot, so your revenues for your e-com store is about 5%, or worse, you move backwards. It is not possible that you move forwards because you already admitted that you're not doing anything online and you're not skilled enough online to get where you want to go. The decision is pretty simple. This is an investment you have to make and why you're on this call is what I'm saying. Reasonable. Are you on the same page with me?
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: Cool. And then the last piece is related to the ROI usually or related to the price. Usually with pricing, what I recommend is just a, a quick recap of features, making sure they like the features, confirming the value without the price. Do you want this implemented in your business? Well, what's the price? Regardless of the price, is this what you were hoping for? Do you want this? What you're doing is you're priming them. You're creating a heuristic, which is a, a mental shortcut for them to say, yes, I definitely want this. What's the price? Now you can say the price because they just said yes a second ago. So they don't convolute the price with the value. And that's a really big problem in sales, especially in the one called close. Then as soon as you hit the price, say hey, it's $29.97 per month all-inclusive, no hidden fees. It's a no-brainer for you. It's exactly what you should be doing. It's why you got on this call. We should be working together. Not, what do you think? Do you like this? Do you want this? Tell them. People want to be sold. It will make a huge difference for you and will allow you to grow the way you want to. And that is the One Call Close in a nutshell. Hey, Ryan Dice here.
2: and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com
1: that is fantastic no I, I love all of it it's uh, even when you said like the what do you you know do you agree with this it was hard to say no and so I'm in this pattern of saying yes all the time and it actually gets easier because you just reaffirm it every time I'm like
0: you are correct sir
1: <laughs> so yes.
0: no timing is is really important heuristics like creating mental shortcuts are really important there's so much more that I could I could share on this obviously about sales but Prepping people to feel comfortable is really key. The biggest one, though, for people at the end of this call, Mark, is they're always fearful of like coming off too aggressive. I'll just challenge you on the idea that you don't control the perception of how someone takes you, right? Someone can listen to this podcast right, and turn it off 20 minutes ago thinking, Alex has no idea what the heck he's talking about. He's an idiot. And someone else could be right here at this moment of this call and thinking, oh, my God, this is the best sales training I've ever had. But I said the exact same things. Nothing changed from person X to person Y. It's just perception, right? I can't control how someone perceives the way I communicate. We can listen to what they say after the fact. If someone says, hey, you were too aggressive, blah, blah, you can listen to the recording, see if you can pull anything back, or you can say, "Yeah, they're just being soft, it's not a good fit. That's okay, that's okay. You don't have to sell everyone. No one's gonna be 100% closer, including me, no one does that. It's impossible. But with that being said, it doesn't mean you can't serve people most effectively by telling them to do it, not asking them, because people want to be sold. They want the illusion of choice, but they want the choice to be made for them. It's why everyone resonates, Mark, with the, hey, babe, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do? It's not like the, the options change every day. They're, they're always the same. You didn't move. Not 45 restaurants didn't pop up yesterday. It's just you don't want to make the decision. It's just easier when someone makes it for you.
1: Well, no, and how you framed everything was like, it just led down a path and it's, it actually took care of all the objections that I was thinking about bringing up before I even said anything, because it was like, okay, (laughs) how long is it going to take? Where are we going to get to? What are you going to do? Like, that was all kind of super clarified during, you know, your presentation. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then cost. I mean, that's always going to be a thing. But I think even for people who may have a good close rate, it might just be because of how you handle the the budget question. Because if you I love, well, you'll see the guarantees where it's like, OK, well, you don't even have to pay me anything. I'll just work for three months and then, no, you know, take a commission or something. Yeah, that's that's oh typically God. what you see. Please don't do that. Or it's like, well, on Fiverr, I saw somebody could do what you said for you <laughs> know fifty
0: dollars. Like, why do you I got two $3, things for you there, Mark? I got two <laughs> things that are really good for you. One, my dad used to harp on me this really hard, and if anyone else had a dad like this, you might r- resonate. I used to say cheap, and he would always restate semantically inexpensive. Cheap and inexpensive are different. Fiverr is cheap my service is inexpensive. There's two differences. Cheap is lower quality. Inexpensive just means less expensive. Doesn't mean it's lower quality. And that's a really important frame. And the same exact thing with cost. This is another exact one that I do all the time with my clients. When I I actually audit sales calls pretty often, that's like one of my main things that we do in prospecting on demand, like listen to people's calls. And a lot of times you'll have someone say like, what's the cost? And my clients are triggered now to know to be like, Hey, just for quick semantics. I know this might sound silly, but It's not a cost. It's an investment. If it's a cost, we didn't do our job. Our job is an investment. It's If you build an ATM that you put a dollar in and the ATM spits out $3 back, how many dollars would you put in? An unlimited amount of dollars, right? You would never stop putting in the dollar. That's what we're trying to create for you. Otherwise, if you put a dollar in and nothing comes out, how many dollars would you put in? Some people would put in $2,000. Some people would put in $1.00. The thing is, we don't want that at all. We have no interest in making that type of ATM. We want to provide you an ATM that consistently provides you more dollars than you put in. That's why it's an investment. And some people think that's semantics, but I think that's really powerful. I think it makes a huge difference, especially because cost is such a commonly used term. What's the cost? What's the cost? What's the price? What's the price? What's the cost? It's an investment. It's not a cost. I like that frame.
1: No, and that's, that's a great way to frame it too, you know, because it's not saying like, because people think, when I see, think cost, I think sunk cost, which is an accounting term for something that's, that's, that's just... my brain
0: thinks of too. It's gone. Lost. <laughs> cost equals loss. That's usually what I yeah. think of.
1: No, that, that's a great way to put it. And I think just, you know, how you, you know, framed it, even how you delivered the pricing was like, it was so casual. It's, it wasn't like, because I think a lot of people when they go to that close where they're like, well, how much is this going to cost me? And you're like... Well, you know, there's a lot of people that would do yeah. this for, <laughs> and you kind of prep them before you even say the the yeah, actual it's cost. It's, it's, you know, what's it going to cost? I already told you what it's going to cost, even before you ask. I think if you have to wait for that ask, you're probably already on the wrong usually track. not right? ideal.
0: Yeah, it's usually yeah. not ideal. I also think people like incorrectly sell. They're trying to sell based on how much money they can make instead of serving the prospect. So they're like either default to the lowest service that they offer because it's easy, like, oh, I have a five hundred dollar product and a thousand and ten thousand. So I'm just gonna sell the five hundred dollar product. I hate that mindset no one wants to be sold that way. It's just a bad way to sell. Or they'll do it the opposite way. They'll try to sell the highest ticket product, even though they don't need it, just to see if maybe they say yes. And then w- when they downsell it, it's a, it's a strong price anchor. So it's like, we have the $10,000 package. Oh, I, I can never do $10,000. Way too much. Oh, we have a $2,000 package. And now it's like an 80% cost cut. You're like that's, that's super effective sales. That is not effective sales. That's charlatan sales. That is use car salesman sales. Yeah, that is big garbage switch. sales. Weak, <laughs> not a fan. I hate doing that. Still people in this industry coach it that are pretty well known. And it's like, who wants to be Why? sold like that? No one wants to be yeah. sold like that. It's so messed up. I'm not a believer of that.
1: No, that's, I, I think your method is much more, it's honest and it's a better way to handle it where you're, you're not, self. while you're decreasing your value and doing that too. And then you're going to have to change your whole pitch if you try to get them to ascend you know the latter 100%. to the ten thousand dollar one. So, thousand percent. So, how would you do? How would you handle? Because I know it's the the one called close. If I said like, oh, you know, what? I love this. Makes total sense to me, but I need to go talk to my
0: wife about this. Awesome. Glad glad we didn't end this podcast without this objection because this is like probably this, <laughs> this is
1: very my this accountant. I have like to talk to my month. accountant.
0: You know. Yeah. Accountant and wife, one, they're a little bit different. I'll talk about both. Let's do the spouse one first because it's usually common. Spouse or business partner is pretty much the same thing. There's a, there's like a tree of things that you want to do with this, this objection. And I'll break down each of them. The first thing is you just want to isolate the objection. And this is the same thing for pretty, pretty much all objection handling. Some objections are a, a veiled no. So they don't know how to say no, even though you did the yes, no frame, like I told you earlier, they just don't feel comfortable because they really enjoyed the call. So they'll be like, let me talk to my parent, but they don't say parent because that would sound insane. So they're like, let's, let me talk to my wife. But it could be the same exact thing. Let me talk to my alien friend that I speak to over the FM radio. Like, what are you talking about? It's the same exact objection because it's actually just a push off, in which case they'll never speak to their wife. They already said no, and they will never, ever get back to you because they're just going to ghost you. And look, anyone that has been in marketing for any amount of time listening to this podcast will be like, oh, yeah, just had that last Wednesday. Yeah, that <laughs> happened with Tina. It's so common. Happens all the time. So the way that you frame it is it, pretty simple. Hey, Bart, totally understand that I have a spouse myself or I have a business partner myself. Obviously, if you do, if you don't, then don't say that. I totally respect where you're coming from. I think that's totally reasonable. Let me ask before we jump off here. If you were the decision maker, just solely, you didn't need to speak to anyone, right? And I'm not pressuring you. I'm just asking a simple question. If you were the decision maker, would you say yes, we're going to be working together? Like if you were the one that decided, would you be saying yes? Now, let's say he doesn't answer right away. Let's say he's kind of like confounded by the question. If you see on Zoom, sometimes you can see people, they're like, they they close to squint their eyes a little bit. They like move over to the left. They're like, what? why that question? Just just jump in with an additional little frame, which is this. By the way, the reason I asked that question, Mark, is because if you say anything other than, oh, yeah, absolutely. How is your wife and or business partner going to convince you otherwise? Right. I I didn't speak to them. They're not going to be like, yeah, do it. You know, like (laughs) if you're not convinced and there's something else here that I need to do to prove my value to you, or you say, yes, no, for sure. I just need to confirm it. So let's say, let's say for the sake of this, Mark didn't say yes. He said, well, I'm worried about this thing. Well, now you're actually in the real objection. So we had a failed objection. Now we're working this real objection. Let's say it's a money thing. Let's say it's a value thing. Let's say whatever it is. You just work that objection. Now let's say he did say yes, for sure. Then you do a deposit frame. But before the deposit frame, there's one more tree, like level, like a decision tree, right? Yes, no. And then you go from side by side, right? The the next frame is pretty simple, which is a very unique frame. And most people wouldn't consider this, which is, what if they say no? And you frame it like this. Okay, so Mark, we're going to work together. You just want to confirm it with your partner. Totally respect it. Let me just ask you something maybe you didn't expect. What happens if your partner says no? What if they put the kibosh on it? What would you do? Well, I would... Look for more people for bids. Mm, okay. So if your partner says no, then the deal's done.
1: Not necessarily. I would just have to provide more evidence
0: that this is the right decision. Got it. Okay. So it seems like this is not really an affirmation, right? Like just affirming a decision you've already made because you did make this decision. It's more so you need confirmation. Like they need to say for sure they're in for you to feel comfortable to make the decision. Is that correct? Is that fair? Correct. Okay. I I think personally, if you're open to it, I would love the opportunity to speak to your partner. Because I think having you having to try to sell on my behalf is probably unfair and unreasonable. Plus, it doesn't let me do my job and what I'm best at. Do you you think I did a good job on this call today, frankly, honestly? Cool. Well, then let me let me speak to them. Let me get the opportunity. Ah. If you don't mind. And if you got to spoil the price or whatever, it's fine. Like it's not some like hidden thing. I I don't care. I just want to have the opportunity to express myself to this person. Love it. Okay, so side note, the idea behind it is, when you ask this frame of the like, what if they say no? Again, if it's a push off objection, they're not thinking about that, because they're like, I just got to get off this call, right? But if it's a real objection, and they're like, I just need to speak to them, a lot of them will literally just say out of their brain, because they don't need someone to affirm their decision, they already made the decision, they'll just say, yeah, we'll probably still go with it. It actually happens way more than you think. Because the the, the majority of human beings, the way that their brains work, not everyone, but the way people's brains work is when I speak to my business partner or spouse, and I already know I want to make this decision, they're going to say yes, because they believe in my decision. Because you would want your wife to be like, Mark, if you think that's right, babe, I want you to do it. Or business partner, hey, Mark, if you think that's right, babe, because your business partner, of course, calls you <laughs> babe, then, then you'd be like, yeah, let's then do it. But a lot of times we don't even think about the scenario of what if they say no, because it's totally possible. And if they say no and you're like, well, now I'm not sure, now you get to use that as an angle for them to feel more confident to make this decision, which is now the next piece, which is a deposit request, which looks like this in three, two, one. So awesome, Mark. I'm totally fine with that. I would either love to speak with your partner or you can speak to them separately if they want to chat with me. That's great. What I would love to do said, I'd love to hold your spot in line, okay, make it easy for you. You already know you want to do this. Put down a $500 refundable deposit. Let's schedule our kickoff call for tomorrow afternoon. That way you have more than enough time to talk to your partner. My team and I will get everything ready. Hold your space in line. You'll be the only person we work with in this area. That's optional if you want to say that or not. We'll be the only person you work with is in this area, and we'll be ready to go tomorrow. On the call, when you jump on, you can say, hey, we're good to go. My partner had this question, or hey, we're good to go. Here's the rest of the investment. Or you can say, hey, this isn't right for me, here's why. And then I'll refund you, no questions asked. That way you can feel trust with me, we'll get everything started and we'll be able to rock and roll from there. How does that sound? That sounds great. So this deposit request is super important. I actually took one deposit this morning for the exact same, exact same objection. Let me talk to my wife. It's a really important frame. I have seen less than 5% of, of deposits overall in the businesses that I've run and the coaching I've done have been refunded because when someone makes the financial decision, what happens is now their brain really wants it to be the right decision because they want to trust what they already decided upon. Now, you can also use that in your language. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. That's why I said if we were to do this podcast 10 times, the framing might be a little different. I'll just explain that to you by being upfront about it. Mark, the the reason why this investment so important is because i don't want you to have to rack your brain about this decision over and over and over. It's a simple thing. You want to do this, you just want confirmation from your spouse. Put down the finances with a break glass in case of emergency option and there you go. Credit card's done, you feel good, we're working together, you're affirming it with your partner, they're going to say yes, you'll get the rest of the investment and if not for some reason, i'll refund you no question. Same exact thing just framed a little bit differently. That's why scripts suck and frames are good. Just feel whatever is authentic to you and that will really make a difference. The last piece of this objection is a very common one. I don't really coach this anymore, but I don't want to leave you in the dark without implementing it. It's the basic framework of like, hey, they can. do you want them to jump on now? Like, do you, wanna, do you want them to jump on now? I used to coach this a lot, but the reality is after doing so many audits, I've done more than like 5,000 probably. Wow. I don't actually know if that's right. A lot. I've done so many. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. lot. I wouldn't count. It's just been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Probably not that many, but a lot. After doing so many and seeing people implement that, it's very rare that someone's like, yeah, like, I'm just gonna get my spouse into the call 50 minutes into the call. It's very rare. So I just kind of don't coach it anymore. Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you can't try like a quick, hey, do you you want them to jump on with me now? Like happy to chat with them now? Normally, I don't really coach that anymore. But I just wanted to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. No, that's fantastic.
1: And I like how it's like, would you like me to talk to them? Because if you're a husband who's ever done that, you're like, I'm not going to be able to repeat all the stuff you just said. <laughs> 100%. And you do I,
0: I don't want you to have the burden of trying to sell on my behalf because I know it can be really tough. Plus, then you take the flack for it and everything. I, I do, I'll deal with this for you. Don't worry. I got you. That's perfect. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, but, you're even more in, you know. A hundred
1: percent. Well, that's awesome. I think that was, that was my big one. I had a whole list, but it's like you, you addressed so many of the objections that I would have said if you didn't cover it already.
0: So... I, and that's such an important thing in sales, like making sure that you're pre-handling objections. One of the first things we do with anyone we work with, Mark, especially in agencies, we always ask them, what are the five most common objections you receive in your sales calls? And we ask them to write it down. And obviously, you you know, the at least three of them, right? It's like, I need to think about it. I need to move money around and I need to talk to my partner. Every once in a while, there's some like random ones that will come in, but most of the time they're the same four or five, six of them. But the idea behind it is, can we see any of these that you can handle prior to the actual call ending. And like one of them that's really unique that I would love to share before we go is the competition one where people at the end of the call will be like, well, I have two more calls with other agencies before we decide. It's like, oh, shit. it's the worst. In your where are you now questions, right? As you're done, like, do you, have you had any calls to solve this before? No. Nope. Do you have any upcoming? Oh, I'm speaking to two other agencies. You're speaking to two other agencies. How about this? I want to save you time, Okay. I feel confident that in the next 30 minutes, I can make sure that you can feel confident to make a decision to say yes to work with me, to save you time from two hours of other hardcore salespeople trying to sell you on a product you don't need. If I provide you with something that is enough of a no-brainer, would you be open to saying yes today? Sometimes they will say no, which is totally fair. That's their prerogative. But a lot of the times they'll say, yeah, I'm open to that. Does that mean they won't give you the objection at the end? No, of course not. This is not Harry Potter magic. (laughs) Like there's no abracadabra. Credit card and then bam, they pay you. That's not how it works. Otherwise, I would for sure not be on the digital marketer podcast. I wouldn't be (laughs) selling marketing, probably real estate investing. uh, And I'd be a bajillionaire. I'd be Warren Buffett. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's Harry Potter. Who knows? Whatever. It is what it is. But you get the idea, right? It's like that framework really helps. So understanding how you can handle objections prior to them happening is also a really important element of successful sales. Well, I think I think this has been
1: extremely valuable and anybody who's had any kind of sales, but specifically in marketing, because it is one of those kind of variable cost, you know, very unique uh, customers every single time because people have different issues all over the place. But the way you kind of presented it, I think any marketer could use this to sell social media or email marketing or you know, even business brokering, if you wanted to, <laughs> because so many people want to sell their business. So I think this is huge training. So many tips. I'm going to literally take this and share it with directly with our certified partner community, which is about 300 agencies we work with just to, because I think Amazing. everybody could benefit right off the bat.
0: Love oh, man! I appreciate that so much.
1: So if people want to learn more, you know, this has been just a, a little tidbit of what you teach. What could they, where can they
0: find out? Yeah, absolutely. Prospectingondemand.com, probably the easiest place. Following me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Slinsky. I run a Facebook group called Seven Figure Sales Savages. Yes, sales, you know, is my thing. Alliteration, too. You can find it on Facebook. It's free. Yeah, I love coaching sales. This is what I do every day. <laughs> I love doing it. Hopefully, you'll see me at an event near you coaching it on stage, which I love doing a lot more. And a visual component, too, which is really key element of sales. Remember the words that you say, the tone in which you say them, and the visual component. On podcasts, obviously, you only have the tone and the, um, the words that I say, but hopefully, that's enough for you to get what you need today. But yeah, those are probably the easiest places to find me: prospectingondemand.com and Alex Linsky. I'm very special. I have a, I have a blue check mark, so I'm super cool. Nice. Well, thank you so much.
1: And you know, we'll we'll be talking to you about other content and possibly courses. You know, I think the sales is such an important part of everything that we do with digital marketing. So yeah, I, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of Alex very soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you need more digital marketing information, be sure to check out our website, digitalmarketer.com, and tune in next time for more tips. This is Digital Marketer.
2: Hey, DM listeners. If you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up